Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you praise with much thanksgiving. And today we just thank you that we can walk with you because of Jesus. We thank you for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. We thank you for that you were unwilling to leave us in a state of sin. We thank you that even the times when we've made our bed in hell, that you have come to find us and you never leave us or forsake us. We thank you that even when we've created the messes, that you leave, provide a way of escape. We thank you that when others set traps, you provide a way of escape. We thank you that when we are injured, you heal us. When we are lacking, you provide for us. When we are missing something, you give us peace. We thank you that you are so good to us. And so, Father, as we jump into this teaching today, our expectation is according to your word, that anytime we can see here and understand that we should be converted and healed. And we declare that today is a day that we will be converted regarding wealth, regarding financial dominion and the ways that the enemy has tricked us either through the world or religious lies. They will be broken off of our lives and we will be able to establish your covenant and live as though you have called us to live, to bring glory to you, to be a blessing to our family and to bless the world around us. And we thank you in advance for it in Jesus name. Amen. 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 That is so good. I got excited every time I hear that story uh, when Jamal tell it and he tell it with such detail. It gives such a vivid illustration. But when we get ready to talk about walking in financial dominion, the key to walking in financial dominion is to learn to walk with the father. If you learn to walk with the father, just like his youngest daughter understood, you can get everything daddy got. Daddy, daddy everything daddy has is, is available to you. And if we learn to walk with the father, then we in turn will learn how to walk in the in the realm of financial dominion in the earth while we're still here on the ground while we're around. And so I love the way uh, you set that up this morning. So let's just jump right into this teaching. Uh, this has been uh, three weeks coming and, and we'll get a chance to share with the people today some some actual things they need to do if they want to walk in financial dominion. Uh, and hopefully it becomes more than just some steps. It becomes a way of life for people. Absolutely. Because our desire, like the Apostle Paul said, it's not that we desire a gift from them. What we desire is to see them prosper in every area of their life. You know, that's not just a motto for us. When we talk about learning how to walk in love and how to how to, how to walk by faith so that people can experience God's prosperity, that has really been our passion for the past 20 years. And I think what we're seeing now is a culmination of all of those years of praying and, and believing and practicing the things of God. Not only are we experiencing it, but so many people who've been doing this walk with us are getting to experience it, too. So now we believe it's time to just take it to another level. Another so, level. And so we started this teaching, and one of the things that we said was that the reason we're doing this teaching is because we want people to be able to fully grasp um, that God wants them blessed. You know, I, I, it was it was interesting. I was with some people last night, uh, and when you're with a different group of people than you normally spend your time with, you realize it was normal for you. <laughs> it's not always normal for everybody else. And so for those of you who are listening to us this morning, I need you to go ahead. This is the first thing I'll ask you to put in the comment section. I want you to go ahead and say this. Say, God wants me blessed. God, God wants, wants me blessed. blessed. God and you are already blessed. Uh, don't get me wrong. You, I know you are already blessed. I'm saying God wants you to manifest financial blessing in your life. Let me just be real plain with you. That's what we're talking about. God wants you to have tangible resources. Why? So that you can be available, the Bible says, for every good work. Now, we talked last week and I talked about it some time in the past and you mentioned it last week 
We said that there are three reasons that God uses financial resources to be a blessing to his people. We said, number one, it was to establish his covenant. We know that God made a covenant with Abraham, that that Abrahamic covenant is still in existence. People say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. How, how does that have to do with us? We've been adopted into the family if we're born again. Amen. So just like if you became a Rockefeller today, you'd have all the benefits that the Rockefellers have. If you became a Walton today, you'd have all the benefits that the Waltons have. And so we become uh, king's kids. And because we became king's kids, we have all the benefits that the king gave to uh, Father Abraham. I think so we should then, add our name to that. If you become okay. if you became a Strickland today, you would have all the blessings and the favor that the Stricklands have. Amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Any last name you want to add to it. You got to be careful about your last name. We got a good last name. You don't want to be attached to every name. We definitely want to be attached to the name of Jesus Christ, though. Amen. So number one was to establish his covenant. Number two was to promote his kingdom. God wants his kingdom to spread across this entire globe. We know that he's not coming back until the gospel has been preached in every corner of this earth. Here we are, you know, uh, what is it? November the 7th of, of, of 2021. And we're in different places teaching a word to people who are in different places, not just in this country, but in several other countries. And through the course of the week, uh, I think at some point we hit uh, every continent uh, except for Antarctica. And I think that's so awesome. I love going to look at the analytics and see where people are seeing it. And that's why we ask you to share the broadcast. Uh, I know I, I'm going to parenthetically insert this. If you haven't shared the broadcast, do so. I'm telling you, your one share can be multiplied so many times and you never know where it ends up. And somebody well, may get a chance to hear the gospel because of you. Well, you got to see that this weekend. Someone should tell them about that. That's a great example of the power of sharing the broadcast. So I, I ran into someone this weekend who, who was saying hello and everything. And I was I was even telling Pastor Chris earlier this morning. It's interesting because I'm in a place where I didn't I didn't really socialize a whole lot years ago, but I know so many people through Facebook. So so many people were speaking and talking to me yesterday and everything. And it was wonderful and uh, trying to remember everybody because you almost feel like, you know, people on Facebook, but you really don't know them. And sometimes you meet them for the first time. But I had a young man come up and, and pull me to the side and was basically saying that uh, someone, uh, his brother, had been sharing our broadcast with him during the pandemic. And he used to, he said, his words, he said he kicked it a whole lot. Every weekend he was out kicking it, having a great time. He said, but during the pandemic, he didn't, he wasn't able to do that. And so he started watching the broadcast and that during the, that during the pandemic, he actually gave his life to Christ. Uh, he, he gave his life. I didn't even know he's never commented. Never. I don't, that I know of, he's never commented, never said anything. And he was just like, I want to thank you and your wife for what y'all doing. Uh, I ain't perfect. You know, you know, people, people, people are still growing and becoming when they say that, <laughs> when they say I ain't perfect. Uh, but what it was saying was, hey, look, I, I, I gave my life to Christ and I'm, I'm better because of it. And I just want to say thank you. Uh, and it's interesting because I don't know his brother. I don't I know him. I don't know his brother. Uh, and, and because of that, you know, you guys sharing it, somebody sharing it. Somebody gave their life to Christ. So Amen. I and I love, I think, I think that that's so important because I think that what people can start to do is they feel like, well, I shared it and the people I tagged didn't necessarily come on, but that doesn't mean no one came on, right? That doesn't mean somebody didn't watch it later. Someone didn't watch it in the midnight hour. And so I love what Chris just said. We are reaching the world one share at a time. Yep. So again, if you see people who are, are normally on who here who aren't, 
take a second and tag them. If you haven't shared it on your page, take a second and do that because I guarantee you there are billions of people on Facebook. There is someone sitting somewhere right now saying, does God care about my finances? Does he care that I don't have enough money to feed my kids? Does he care that I don't know how I'm going to provide for Christmas? I can't afford to go to the doctor. It's our responsibility to not just receive what God has for us, but to give away what God has for us. What's the simplest way you can do that? Share the broadcast. That's the simplest way you can do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you haven't liked the broadcast, make sure you do that too, because every interaction, Facebook is using an algorithm to determine how it should push this video out. So you liking it, you sharing it, all of that matters, right? So we said, number one, he establishes his covenant. Number two, he wants to promote his kingdom. And then number three, we said he blesses us. Why? So that we can be a blessing through uh, to humanity. He wants to be a blessing through us to humanity. Uh, and I think that's important. You know, Pastor Ralph was doing the thing last week where he was blessing educators and several other people got involved, got involved. And because of that, other people got a chance to be blessed. But God blessed those of us who was able to even participate with that. And so it's a blessing to be a blessing. And so this this morning, I, what we want to do is really just kind of give some tools. Right. We want to put some more tools in people's toolbox about what we need to do in order to walk in financial dominion. So I'll take number one. And if I start to get real, I told Pashun, if I if my internet starts to get janky, I'm gonna click off and just let her teach the rest of this. She she when it comes to finances, she she can really teach this thing. So if I get grainy, <laughs> I'll pop off. But I'll start with one with number one. If we want to walk in financial dominion, the first thing we must do is learn to take financial dominion by understanding the covenant that we operate in. We have what the Bible calls a better covenant than Abraham. So if Abraham had a covenant and that covenant made him rich and we have a better covenant, then we should be as prosperous or more in the same way that Abraham was. The Bible says this in Deuteronomy 8 and 18. It says he, God, gives us the power to get wealth. Why? Because he made a covenant with us to do so. We are a part of the Abrahamic covenant. And as a result, the same benefits, when you were reading Psalms 103 and you started talking about those benefits, we can go back in the Old Testament and read about all of the benefits that belong to us. And to live beneath that is really a disservice to not only ourselves, but also to the very God who made that covenant with us. Because that covenant was designed to cause us to live above earth's current conditions. Whatever earth's conditions is, God created a covenant that allows us to live above that. It's why he says in Psalms 89 and 34, he says, my covenant will I not break nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. Why? Because God says this covenant that I made with you, I want you to be able to rest assured that no matter what is going on in the White House, no matter what's going on in Congress, no matter what's going on in the House of Representatives, no matter what's going on in your local city, in your state, it doesn't even matter what's going on in the world. They say supply chains are all messed up. My covenant declares that you will have what you need when you need it. He said it shall not be altered, which means the economy can't alter it. It means the uh, it means disease can't alter it. Uh, nothing can alter the covenant that God has made because it went out of his lips. And if he doesn't take it back and he won't, 
it won't come back. We have a covenant that is firm. There's no way around it. To take financial dominion, we must first understand that the covenant provides financial increase. And you know, you and I, Pastor, we talk about this all the time, that people balk at the idea that Christians would be wealthy. But if you think about it, who else should be wealthy? If except the people who are willing to hear God and do what God says with the with the, with the wealth with the wealth, you know. But people fight Christianity on it all the time. But we've declared that we're just going to preach this with boldness, and, and the people who get offended get offended. But those who don't will be the ones who are able to live at a level higher than they're living now and be a blessing to other people. Would you say? I would. And you know what's crazy, babe? It's not necessarily that the world fights it; it's that Christians fight. Well, see, if they fight me and they call themselves Christian, I consider them to be in the world. I, I know, babe. <laughs> I knew you were going to say they, 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 ain't in, they ain't in the body. They in the world if they're doing that. <laughs> I know. But think about this. We think about all the things that God has asked us to do to yeah. take care of people who are in need. Jesus clearly says the poor will be, be among you always. He didn't say you had to be the poor. He did not. In fact, if you know anything about English, the fact that he says among you means it's not you. That's right. So when we keep allowing religion and worldly teaching to make us believe there's something wrong with prosperity, then how can we be the solution? We can't be the solution when we're allowing someone besides God to tell us what what's possible for us. You're, you're absolutely right. And that's the reason we have to understand that when we talk about covenant, covenant is actually more than a promise. It actually goes be it goes beyond that because when we talk about a covenant, we understand that a covenant really is a deal that has been enacted by God uh, based on some well defined terms that has been sealed with an oath. You know, uh, the, the, an example of this is years ago when I was trying to understand covenant, I read something that said that basically, when I, when people in the times of old made a covenant, they especially this thing called a salt covenant. What, what they would do is there would be two individuals and one would have a small leather packet full of salt and the other would have a small leather packet full of salt and they would eat they would each take a pinch of that salt and what they would do is one would take a pinch of salt and put it in the bag of the other while simultaneously the one other the other would take the salt out of his bag and put it in the other they would then mix the bag up and what they would say is the only way that this covenant can be broken if we can individually take out all the grains of sand, all the grains of salt that we put in each other's bag, which was impossible because they weren't identified, they weren't marked. In other words, it represented the fact that when God makes this covenant, there is no breaking. it. There is no breaking of his covenant. In fact, we see this in Galatians 3, 13 and 14. In Galatians 3, 13 and 14, it says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. How? Being made a curse for us. He became the curse so we wouldn't have to be cursed. He says, for as it is written, curses everyone that hangeth on the tree. And I believe we may have this in the Passion Translation. Uh, verse 14 also says that the blessing, here's why he did it, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit, how? Through faith. We know that, right? And I think in the Passion Translation, he says it like this, which I absolutely love. It says, Christ paid the full price to set us free from the curse of the law. It don't get much plainer than that. He paid the full price to set us free 
from the curse of the law. We're no longer bound by the law. We're no longer under a curse anymore. It says he absorbed the curse completely. Now, we know that poverty was a part of the curse. We know sickness was a part of the curse. So if poverty and sickness is a part of the curse and he absorbed it completely, that means there's no more for us to be had, right? He says he absorbed the, he absorbed the curse completely uh, as he became a curse in our place. For it is written, it says, everyone who is hung up on a tree is cursed. Jesus Christ dissolved the curse from our lives so that in him, and I think this is so important, that in him, all the blessings of Abraham can be poured out upon us who are Gentiles. He says all of the blessings in him. And so when we are in him, we don't have to feel bad about having more than enough. When we're in him, we don't have to feel bad for being able to answer every financial need that he calls us to. In him, we don't have to feel bad that we're walking in financial dominion and others aren't because he says it's actually available to everybody. It would be like, uh, I don't know if you've ever had this happen, but as a man, sometimes if I'm with someone and it's raining, uh, and I'm especially if I'm with you or, or our girls and we only have one umbrella, I'll give you guys the umbrella. I'll say, here, this, I'll, I'll be fine. Here's the umbrella. But there are times it is raining really hard and, and, uh, and you'll have an umbrella and I won't. And you'll say, hey, do you want to get under here? You want to come under here? Well, sometimes I don't, but it was available. You made it available. And Christ has made financial dominion available, but there are still people saying, no, nah, that's okay. I, I, I'm fine the way I am. And he'll let you be fine that way, but you don't have to be that way. There's a better way to live. So what I hear you saying is that if people want to be wealthy, they need to come under the umbrella and quit acting like you when it's raining. That's what, is that what you said? Well, that's what you, they need to walk with the father. When, 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 it's, when it's the umbrella, I'm walking with you and you're walking with me. You said it this morning. They need to walk with their daddy. And they need to make sure that Jesus Christ is their elder brother and God is their father. So we gotta learn. How, we gotta learn. We gotta learn that we, we need to study. And we talked about it. it's a whole teaching we've done on it about understanding the covenant. And once we understand the covenant, I think that really helps us out. Well, and I think an important thing to say about covenant because I, there are so many people who have been spent a lot of time in church, but they haven't actually yeah. learned how the kingdom works. And so people are frustrated because you go to church and you love Jesus, but you don't understand the kingdom in context. That's why the Bible says in Matthew 6 and 33, seek ye first the kingdom and its righteousness and things will be added to you. God has a way of doing things. Everybody should put that in the comments. God has a way of doing things. One of the most valuable things that I learned about this covenant of prosperity is that because it's a covenant, we don't pray for it. We participate in it. We participate. Now, some of you are nervous right now. Yeah. It's a covenant. We don't, so we don't activate kingdom wealth by our prayers. No. And honestly, that's why many people are frustrated. You have been praying for increase. You have not been activating increase. So I want to give you an example. A covenant is something that is activated because it had two parties play a role. Well, this type of covenant. If you do this, then I will do this, right? He doesn't say, if you want prosperity, pray for it. He gives us specific things to do to activate prosperity in our life. Now, let's look at one. Number, our second point for the day. Take financial dominion by honoring the tithe. Yes. He says, 
He says, he doesn't say pray for financial increase. That's not what he says. Nope. He says, you want to be financially, you want kingdom prosperity. You want prosperity that lasts no matter what the economy is doing. You want prosperity that works even if you get laid off, even if you're single, even if you are widowed, even if you're elderly. He says, here's how you get it. Bring all of your tithes and offerings into the storehouse. And then you can prove me. Then you can prove that I'm a keeper of covenant. So there are people who are trying to enforce on God to operate in his part of the covenant when they have never operated in their part of the covenant. So if I want to walk in kingdom prosperity, if I want to walk in financial dominion, I must become a tither. And hear me, I know that make a lot of people tight in their chest, but I want you to hear me. The reason it makes you tight in, the, in your chest is because the devil wants you to stay bound. He wants you to continue to live under economic and financial pressure. He wants to continue to keep mammon as your God. And there are so many people who think God is my God, but God actually isn't your first God because your money determines what you do with your first God. So what ends up happening is your money tells you you better not tithe and then you don't tithe. But then you say, God, the most high is not my is my God. Eh, it's idolatry or God tells you to be a blessing to someone. You say, I can't do that because that I only have one hundred dollars and you ask for 50. He says we get we operate in this covenant. And I think that this is so important. Because I feel that so many believers get offended because they're like, well, why did it happen for Edwin? But it didn't happen for me. Did you participate in the process? Mm. Did you? Are you? Because you praying for prosperity when God is giving you instructions. And there's so many instructions about how to keep this covenant active that I bring my tithes and my offerings. So he, he, he brings them together. A lot of times when we teach about this, we say tithes. He doesn't say that. He says the tithes and offerings. Will a man rob me in his tithes and offerings, which tells us it's possible to rob him in both. If I rob him, does he love me? Absolutely, he loves me. But if I rob him, I do not get the privilege of proving that he will open the windows of heaven over my life. And so many times people say, I can't afford to tithe. The truth of it is you can't afford not to tithe. And Amen. because people don't understand this, that the enemy, hell has a vested interest in keeping you broke. Because if hell can keep you broke, Hell can keep you from being free to do the things you were actually created to do. Hell can keep you worried about money every single day. Hell can keep you anxious and tied in a job that you're not supposed to be working in. Hell can even have you have financial prosperity, but still feel like it's going to be stolen from you. He says, listen here, you want to understand this covenant? You want to take dominion? Become a tither. And that is why we continue to declare that Fellowship of Champions is a church of 100% yes. tithes. Because yes. a church, yes. I always think, what we, I look at what we have done from the onset of our ministry, what we have been able to do because a few people would tithe. Mm. 
Mm. But do you know that every time that number grows, we are able to reach so many more people, reach so many more needs? And so I want to just give you guys this example. The other day, a young lady reached out to me and that young lady had had a miscarriage. And she was asking me, could I afford, would I be willing to pay for her medicine and get her some food because she needed to rest? And so I'm sitting here and I'm saying, Lord, how much do you want me to send her? And he tells me the amount that he wants me to send her. And and I send her that amount. And she responds back to me. She says, thank you for giving me the opportunity to breathe. She says, it's hard enough to lose a baby and have to have a procedure. She said, but at least I can go to sleep and know I won't get kicked out of my, she was staying in an extended stay. I know that I won't get kicked out. But do you know what I thought as I did that? I thought, man, I need to step into a greater level of dominion because in reality, this lady has been working to overcome a lot. I need to be able to put her in an apartment to help her really change her life because she's paying a lot of money for a room, but she can't cook. She can't do all of these things. And then I was thinking, man, but if we had, if a hundred percent tithers, we literally every year could pick five families and walk with them an entire year to change their life. Now, what happens is people go, why doesn't the church do more? How can the church do more if the church, which is made of people, don't believe in the covenant promise of tithing? I, right. used, I say I say I say all the time when people ask me, you know, people like, well, I don't do church because church don't do right with the money and blah, blah, blah. And I listen to them sometimes and people who I'm closer to, we actually have the real conversation. And I say to them, look at how much you gave to church last year. I don't know what that is, but whatever you gave to church last year, even if it ain't your tithing, y'all, just whatever you gave last year, right? And, and, and usually the people who are saying this are people who aren't giving very much at all, let alone their tithe. They're not even giving anything. And I say, imagine if everybody did what you did. How do you expect the church to do everything you're asking them to do? Because the church doesn't print money. It's not the U.S. Mint. It doesn't have a place in the back where we print now $100 bills so we can send kids. You know, we didn't we didn't print the $120,000 we spent so far to send kids to college. That, that, didn't, that didn't get printed in the back and it wasn't monopoly money. That was because people, individuals said, hey, I want to be a blessing to this organization who's doing this thing. And I tell people, it's not the churches lack vision. What most churches lack is provision. They would love to have a soup kitchen. They would love to be able to give coats and hats to people in the clothes. They would love to build homeless shelters. They would love to build an orphanage for kids. You know, churches talk about we're against abortion. Okay, cool. Then why aren't churches building orphanages and staffing them with quality people? You want to know why? They don't have the money to do it. They don't have the, the financial capital or the human capital to do it. And so if we really want to be a difference, it's got to start with us saying, you know what? We really can't help change the world by our giving. And even if it's not a lot, what we consider a lot, everybody can buy, we can do so much. No, absolutely. And I want to say this because I know a lot of people feel like, oh, I'm not going to give my money so the pastor can get rich off my money. So I want to help you. Um, The tithe actually belongs to the Lord. And the original purpose of the tithe was to take care of the priest. 
But I want you to be clear about this. That's right. The, The purpose of the tithe was to take care of the priest, which is why you were supposed to bring tithes and offering. Tithe was supposed to be for the take care of the priest. So the priest didn't have to stress themselves out, figuring out how they were going to eat and minister to the people. And then the offering was supposed to be used for every other need. I'm going to say two things that's going to rub some of y'all the wrong way. You can study scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. The tithes and the offering, the church was never called to take care of everybody in the world. This this care about taking care of the widows and the poor, that is supposed to be the household of the faith. So one of the things that I love about our ministry is that, yes, we do help people who don't go to this church, but we're never going to be a church that is refusing to help the people who are in the covenant and then not and then helping the people who aren't because that makes as much sense to me as knowing my kid is hungry knowing your kid is hungry feeding your kid and not feeding my kid so some of the ignorance that people have is just because you haven't studied scripture it's just because you haven't walked it out and you have an unrealistic expectation now the second thing i want to say the blessings that's on my life the blessings that's on his life, it is not because of people's giving and it's not because we pastors. That's We've right. been woke pastors before, just so we clear about this. We are where we are because we do the thing we tell you to do, which Absolutely. is to tithe and to bring our offering. And so don't get caught up in your chest like I'm not giving because if I give, Pastor Sean go get a new car. Because Pastor Sean go get a new car, whether you give a dime or not, because I would never put the weight and the quality of my life in the hands of a human when I have almighty God who provides all of my needs. Amen. You know, and and, and I love that. And you're 100 percent right. And here's the big, big vision. Right. If everybody does what they're supposed to, God always knew there'd be enough for his house and the world. Yes. The reason we even have to have the conversation about whether or not it's for the house or it's for the world is because we don't have that number of 100% of the people who are in the body doing what they're supposed to do where they're tied and they're giving is concerned. I am totally convinced in the same way I've been convinced throughout our ministry that if God ever needed needed to get something to us, he'd use whoever he wanted to. I am totally convinced that if everybody connected to FOC was doing what they were supposed to do, we would have every need in the house met and every need God calls us to out of the house met because God has never been a God who ever came up short about anything. Absolutely. I believe that. I believe that. But what does that mean? That means that partners, especially of this ministry, need to stop praying for financial increase and start participating for financial increase. You preaching is because because what praying for it does is frustrates you when it doesn't come. And he didn't tell us to pray for it. Come on. He said, I've given you the power to get it. So that means I got some power to do something. And that's that word you use. Participate. I love it. Because he says, if he's given us the power, and then I'll let you get to point three, because I know we want to get there. If he's given us the power, we pray when we don't know an answer. We participate when we know his will. And there's a huge difference in that. So a difference in that would be, I don't have to pray, can I get saved? We don't have to pray, can someone get saved? We don't have to ask that. We don't have to ask, is it okay to lead somebody to Christ? Man, that's crazy. We already know it's the will of God for people to be saved. So what we do is we participate by preaching Christ and getting them to invite Christ into their heart. 
We don't have to pray whether God wants us wealthy. He's made it abundantly clear. Now we must participate. Now, in the, now what we have to pray about is what is the work he wants us to do that would cause wealth to come into our lives. We're not praying about should we be wealthy. We're praying for the wisdom about which thing we touch that causes increase to come in our lives. And there's a huge difference in that. Huge difference. And before we go on, you know, one of the things I want I want to make sure we mention is there's a, there's a scripture that we talk about all the time in Proverbs. It's Proverbs 3, uh, 9 and 10. Mm-hmm. And when we read Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, it says, honor the Lord with what? Your possessions and with the first fruits of all of your increase. Why do we honor the Lord with what we have? He says, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. And if one of the things that I love and we listen to him and you listen to him far more than I do is that's uh, Bishop David, David Oyedipo. And one of the things one of, one of his one of the things that he says and he, he says it in that thick Nigerian accent, but it's so true. He basically says any believer who is not a tither will remain. And I love how he says this a financial struggler. If you are not a tither, no matter what you do. It don't matter about your business. If you if you say you're a part of the kingdom, now he ain't talking to the world, but if you say you are a, a believer, he says any believer who is not a tither will remain a financial struggler. That means you will struggle. No, you that means you will struggle at 40,000, you will struggle at a hundred thousand. You'll struggle at 250. And if you make a million, you'll still struggle because it's not about the amount of money that you have. It's the wisdom to know what to do with it. And he says, if you're not a tither, that window of heaven that God promises to open up in Malachi when we become tithers and givers, it's going to be closed to you. And when it's closed to you, he said that money that you have, it'll be like there's holes in your pockets. It will be escaping you at every opportunity and you will always be a financial struggler. I know that for a fact in my own life. Before I made the absolute commitment to never miss a tithe, there were times that I would have money and then all of a sudden the refrigerator would go out. <laughs> a washing machine would go out. It, the tires on the car. It'd be some major thing that would take what I thought I was saving by not paying my tithe and take it away from me. But since I made the decision, Sean Strickland, to become a tither, I have never had a financial need that God has not either already provided for or showed up when I need. You better preach. And I want to say this because, again, clearly I'm doing the tight stuff in your chest today. You're doing the softer stuff. I'm tight chested today. Okay, (laughs) so we cool. So let me try this next type. In Proverbs, it says a curse doesn't come without a cause. Yeah. So what I have found in 21 years of ministry is that if you are a born again believer, hear what I'm about to say, a born again believer who continues to experience poverty, I guarantee you don't tithe consistently. I guarantee you don't. Because the tithe is such a powerful tool that if you tithe, it will cause increase to come to you that you can't even explain. Hey, the, the, hey. People, the, the people in the back didn't hear you. They, they, they said, can you say that louder? Yeah, I would like to say it again. <laughs> and, and I want to I preface it. Everybody needs help sometimes. Yep. No one should need help all the time. 
If you are a born again believer who is consistently struggling financially, check your tithes. Yep. I guarantee you are not a tithe tither because the tithe is so powerful. Somebody say so powerful. So the powerful. tithe is so powerful that you can be ignorant about wealth and God will still cause increase to come into your life. And I know this because the Holy Spirit has revealed this to me. Many, many, many of our grandparents and great grandparents, while they never made as much as many of us make now, because they were tithers, that is why they could take a chicken and some rice and feed 20 people because they had a supernatural empowerment on their life because it may not have been but a dollar, but they will go give God that dime. And many of you make more money than your ancestors, but you live worse. You don't own nothing. You don't have nothing. You make more. Your bonuses are gone before you get them. And if we check your tithe, and mm. we always know because people who real funny about this tithe, what they say is, they, they say, Pastor Sean, should I tithe off my birthday money? Well, the scripture says all your increase was your birthday money increase. See, people who understand this, Pastor Ellen and I have talked about this right now. If God opened up heaven, did like this, look down and said, hey, y'all, you don't have to tithe no more. Whatever. These principles work. I'm never leaving this behind. And so there are people who, because of ignorance, because of rebellion and because of disobedience, you believe that because Jesus loves you, you are exempt from obeying and participating in the covenant. And I love what Dexter said. You can't protect the bag when you're not a tither. Non-tithers bags got holes in them. And some of you are sitting here right now, no matter how much money you get, no matter how much increase you get, no matter who helps you, no matter how much favor happens for you, you still end up in a deficit because you are in the kingdom operating out of integrity. And the truth of the matter is, and it always comes back to this, it's not about your money. It's about your heart. Tithing is a heart issue. I, I know I know we hear money. I know it involves money. But the truth of the matter is, it's a heart issue because the enemy's job is to get you to have any other God as your God besides God. Let me say that again. The enemy's job is to get you to have any other God besides God as your God. And so he uses money to be a representation of your God. How do we know it's your God? Because it tells you what you can do. It tells you when you can do it and the level you can do it at. And he knows that if you replace money with Jehovah, with El Elyon, with the God of gods, that then you will not be subjugated to being able to only do what your money says you can do. And that becomes the breakthrough moment. It's a heart issue. He, wa he wants something else to have your heart. And we are declaring that the people who are attached to Fellowship of Champions and those who will hear this word across the globe will not attach anything to their heart above God. So what I hear you saying is that if I will tithe, it will break me free from the spirit of mammon that wants to control me. Absolutely. It will break me free 
because when I tie, it'll break you free from everything that wants to control you. Not just mammon, but absolutely it'll break you free from mammon. When I tithe, I say, I trust God more than my credit score. I trust him more than my savings account. I trust him more than my husband. I trust him more than my retirement. I trust God. And I show you that I trust you. Because I bring what I have to you, even when it looks like I need it more than you do, because I so trust your heart for me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we, we, we said you got to understand this covenant, right? We, you got to learn to honor God. And, and let me say this. Being a tither is not giving tithe once. Because because I've talked to people and, I, and we've had these conversations and they say, well, I love God. I do this and this and I'm a tither. And then come to find out when they say they're tithe, they mean like they tithe in January, but they hadn't tithed since January. And now it's April. I'm like doing something one time doesn't make you that thing to be a tither is a person who does something with consistency. Like it, it's it's been I don't know when was that that we was in Dallas. When we made that commitment, we made a decision to tie November of 1999. We've okay. been tithing since then. Since November of 1999, I can tell you that Edwin and Sean Strickland has not missed a tithe. We have not missed a tithe. Why? Because we made the decision on that day in Dallas, Texas, that we were no longer going to be God robbers. And since then, our life has only been on an upward trajectory. And I'm telling you, it ain't just because of us. If you make a decision to honor God with the thing that you, and let's be honest, with the thing we consider most valuable, because most people, if they're honest, will tell you that money is very, very important. Money is very, very, it's, it's, I used to laugh and joke all the time and say money wasn't everything, but it was far ahead of whatever was in second place. It wasn't, in, it, it, wasn't it, God, it was God, and, 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 and then whatever was second, money was somewhere in between there. Now, the truth of the matter is I've made that switch. It is God, my family, right? But what I realized is that when I put God first, he will give me everything I need to take care of my family, to take care of my friends, to do ministry, to do every good work he's called me to. But it was when I made the decision that tithing was more important than having a savings account that he gave me a savings account. That's the fact. But, you know, here's the thing. I just want to say this because I want to call it out today. You, you, you don't think because you tithe once you're a tither. Now you may say that to make yourself feel better, but you don't think that you you you, you don't. Oh, you, you coming know. with the hard hard stuff today? Yeah, you you know you're not an exerciser because you went to the gym one time. <laughs> you wouldn't think that somebody who brushed their teeth one time was a teeth brusher. So well, how in the world do you well. think that you talk that because you tied one time you a tither? You don't believe that. Stop lying to yourself so you can get free. You don't believe that. There is no area in your life where you believe doing it one time makes you that thing. You don't believe that. Tell the truth to yourself so you can get free. You don't really believe that. And we owe you to stop letting you sit in these lies that are keeping you in poverty because you you trying to convince yourself because you're not lying to us. We know you lying. The Holy Ghost know you lying. Now you need to know that you lying so you can say, God, help me to do better. <laughs> That's Amen. true. That's true. So Amen. so so once you so once you once you've made the decision that, that you're committed to being a tither, 
Once you've made the decision that you're going to honor God's covenant through the tithe, the other part of that, and you mentioned that we, we people people mentioned tithe, but he says, I didn't have you rob me, then your tithe and your what? Offerings. And so it's important that you understand the point number three is that you also want to be able to uh, take financial dominion. You want to walk in financial dominion by also becoming a giver. Why do we why do we separate those two? Because God did. The tithe belongs to God. He sets a standard for that amount. The standard isn't that it's 10% of all of your gross of, of every everything you you incur, right? And, and that that's if you make a dollar, it's a dime. If you make a thousand dollars, it's a hundred dollars. It's even for everybody. And it's the reason that he marveled at, at the widow's giving, right? Because she she gave beyond what was required of her. And I tell people all the time, when it comes to your giving, giving is a great place to practice hearing Holy Spirit. It's a great place to practice hearing Holy Spirit. When I read Ralph's post the other day and I read through it, I didn't, I didn't be like, oh, that's Ralph. I read it and I thought, and I said, Holy Spirit, do you want me to give to that? He said, I do. He said, I want you, I want you to participate in that. So I said, I, I told Ralph, I want to spoke. I said, hey, I'll participate in that. Why? Because the Holy Spirit prompted me to do it. Giving is a great way to practice hearing Holy Spirit. Last week when we were ending the broadcast, and I'm sure you remember what they were, you talked about the different kinds of giving. You want to share those again? Yeah, I talked. Oh, yeah, I talked about the different types of giving. And I want to say this before I tell those three things. Do you know why I love being a giver? When I am a giver, I am most like Abba. Yeah. For God so loved the world that he gave. When I'm giving, I'm standing in my God identity. I'm standing as his. I'm not looking for who's going to bless me. You only give because you have supply. And so when I'm a giver, I'm giving from the place supply. So last week I talked about. Before you say, let me say this real quick. You know, we, we talk about the Bible says it is more blessed to give than receive. And you know this scientists have discovered and they've been able to show us uh on, on on visually on screens that there's a part of your brain that lights up in a higher degree when you give something than when you get something that it's in the same area almost not the exact same area but almost in the same area where when people um they shouldn't but when people use cocaine there's a part of their brain that lights up. They get the, they get a high. That same thing in the same area of the brain happens when you give. It and it, and it lasts longer than the part of your brain that, that lights up when you receive. So it not only do you get a better high when you give, it lasts longer than when you receive. And I just thought that was so awesome because scientists are finding out, like we need to, that what God says is true. It is more blessed. It is more empowering. It lasts longer to be a giver than it does to be just a receiver. And, and this is one of the things I had to learn is that our flesh doesn't inherently want to give. Our flesh wants to receive. And I can remember when I was asking the Lord to teach me to be a giver. And so there would be all these opportunities to give. And then I would feel some kind of way because it was like, dang, I got to give again today. Dang, I got to give again today. And he was like, well, do you want to be a giver or not? Do right. you want to be the distribution center or not? Because what can begin to happen is like, well, why are all of these people? I re I'll never forget one day all these people had asked me for something. And I was like, why are they asking me? He said, who are they supposed to ask? You said you was a distribution center. 
You said make me the man. <laughs> you said make me the man. And a lot of times people get excited about this and they're like, oh, I'm going to take this journey. I'm going to be a giver. I was teasing some of my mentees because they were like, I'm going to do like you and Pastor Edwin do. I'm going to give every day. About that sixth day, they started getting salty in their chest because they was like, you want me to give again today? Yes, because when I am a giver, I will always be supplied. See, sometimes what happens is when we get excited in churches and the preacher says, declare this after me, say, make me the man. And we say, make me the man. What we think about is, oh, I'm about to get so I can be the man. What you forget is that whatever you get needs to go back out. <laughs> and so when you say, make me the man, you need to be thinking not just I'm receiving something, but make me the man and I'm going to be ready every time you tell me to distribute. I'm going to be ready to do it. Okay, so to your point, you asked me to talk about these. Um, you talk these three ways that I characterize giving. I'm not saying they're the only ways. I'm saying that these are things God has taught me. Yeah. Number one is that we give to the poor. You yeah. wrote something. You want these notes? You want no, that's fine. Them? You go ahead and talk about what you okay. talked about. Okay, we give to the poor. The Bible says when we give to the poor, God Himself will repay. It's one uh -huh. of my favorite ways of giving because it says, you know, the old saying: "As long as I owe you money, you can't never be broke." <laughs> I hate that. I, yes. But if God owe me money, I can't never be broke. That's true. So when I give to the poor. But God I, repays. <laughs> no, no, he don't no, think he be repaying. <laughs> I'm just saying, when I give to the poor, yeah. God is in, and it's just like this. It's like this. If someone gives money to one of my kids, let's say Canaan's out at a game and she doesn't have enough money to get some. And one somebody gives that because they can see that Canaan needs it and they know me, right? I'm now going to take care of that person because yeah. of how they took care of my kid. Yeah. And I'm telling you, if you will care about the poor and give to the poor, and I don't mean this every time you give some, you got to be on Facebook taking a picture. Look how I help the homeless man. I'm not yeah. talking about that. I'm talking about literally, I care about people who don't have because God cares about them. Yeah. I care about people who lack because God cares about them, right? So I yeah. give to the poor. The second one is called peer giving. And I believe most people, did the, the next two I'm going to talk about, people feel good when they give to the poor. Um, some people do. Some people don't feel good when they give to nobody because they don't want to be givers. But a lot of people struggle with peer giving because peer giving is when I look at someone who is heading in the same direction as I'm heading in and I get the opportunity to push you over or bless you over with the intent to follow in behind you, right? It kind of reminds me of like football when they'll do a play and it's like the guy goes first and then the other guy's behind him and the other guy's just going to run in behind him and put the ball in the end zone, right? So it's like peer giving is something like this and we live by this. When I was believing God for a new car, but I didn't know what kind of car I wanted, I, I, but I knew I wanted a dream car. I just didn't know what it was. Every time somebody that I knew posted on Facebook that they had just got their dream car, if they used the word dream car, I was like, what's your cash app? Because while I don't know what my dream car is, I want to sow into the dream that you have received because I want to receive the same thing. Somebody gets a new house. We're believing God for a new house. I want to get you a home goods um, gift certificate. He, simple things that we did. 
people had good marriages when we didn't have good a good marriage we now back then we didn't have a lot of money so it's like they got a good marriage we don't have a good marriage we want to give them a gift card to Chili's y'all go to Chili's and have y'all a good date night because we're believing that what's on your life is open on our life and that we access it by giving giving is really supernatural it's not the money it's the, it's this opening if it was rocks it would be the same thing right and then the third one is promotion giving the bible says that the lesser is blessed by the greater yep and this is what gets a lot of people in trouble and some of this just needs to be fixed in church a lot of people don't actually see their spiritual leaders as being above them they have a very arrogant attitude and they say well i'm a man just like him i put my pants on just like he does well you do you both put your pants on the same way but you haven't been set in the same place in the body yep so, yeah, you put your pants on, you, you, you put your shirt on just like I do, but we're not set in the same place. So when I give and, you know, and this I really struggle with this because our my spiritual mother is a wealthy woman. So when the Lord would tell me to sow into her, number one, I had to get over the embarrassment of feeling like my seed was so little. And then I had to get over the thing in me that tried to say, well, how are you giving her money when she got a plane and you can't even afford to do X? I'm do I'm sowing into her life because I don't always want to be here. And so many people, because they I, we were talking about this earlier this week, babe, because so many people rejected faith teaching. We have millions of believers who have been in the church for years who don't have a clue of how to walk by faith. And they're still stuck in an antiquated dispensation that I come to God however I want to come to him. I get whatever he wants. He's mysterious. We don't know his ways. All of this foolishness. And it's really because they dishonored the forerunners in that area. And so I'm telling you, if you have been a person who have dishonored men and women of God who walk in prosperity, you ought to repent because you cannot attract what you despise. And many people don't even realize they have cut off of their own prosperity because they, let me just say this. Let me get this out. You spoke about stuff that heaven did not qualify you to speak about. And I want to give you an example. You talked about whether somebody needed a plane. How would you know whether someone needed a plane when you don't go nowhere but to Walmart and Target and stay in your same tank? Mm. When you, how, how, do, how are you qualified mm. to have an opinion about that? <laughs> you get on a plane once every three years. What do you know about flight schedules that would get this person from California and then to New York and then down to Austria? What do you know about that? So then what you did is that the, your, the poverty on the inside of you sat back and mocked what somebody else should have. And, and you literally, you literally spewed venom on these people that were called by God to do something. And then now maybe you did it 15 years ago when you were stupid. That's what Pastor Edwin and I talked about years ago, not 15, but many years ago when we was running our mouth about what we didn't know about, we repented. We didn't just say, Oh God, we got a revelation. We said, we are sorry for talking too much. And many people cut their own prosperity off because just like the in the in the body of Christ, you got to think about the body of Christ in this concept. 
that there are general practitioners, and then there are people who have specialties like heart surgeons, cosmetic surgeons, different people like that. There are literally people raised up to teach us about healing. That's the anointing on their life. There are people raised up to teach us about financial prosperity. And there was a group of men and women about 20 to 30 years ago who was raised up to teach us about financial prosperity. And many of us in our religion, we tried to curse them and in cursing them, we put bondage on ourselves and you should repent so your money can flow freely. You know, I want to I want to I'm going to share something um, when you talk about promotion giving. And it actually was a rebuke that I got from the Lord. Uh, probably around 2017, 2018, there was this young single mom. And she was so into my life, she'd give me like $5. And I knew she didn't have a lot. And I felt bad about even receiving it. And there were times she would she would give me $5 one week. She'd see me in a week or two. She'd give me $10. She said, Pastor, I want to sow this into your life. And I, and, I, and I felt bad every time that she would do that. And one time she gave, she sold $20 into my life. And I just thought to myself, I don't need this $20. I'm sure this $20 could go a long way for her. And I just told her, I said, listen, I, I can't take this from you. I, I can't take it. And she said, no, I need you too. She said, I, I, I listen to y'all teaching. I need to sow this into your life. And I took it, but I took it reluctantly. And on the drive home, the Lord said to me, he said, she is trying to operate in a principle to get her out of her current situation. He said, if you're going to be a hindrance to that, let me know. That, that, that's, that's what he said to me. If you're going to be a hindrance to that, you let me know. And I understood at that moment that I was never, ever to reject her seat again. And I can tell you that in the years from 2017 until now, she went from sowing $5 every couple of weeks to almost every week I'm getting a cash app from her for $100 or more. But she's like, hey, I just want to bless you. I just want to send my offering in. And I'm telling you, when the Bible talks about giving your way out of poverty, that is literally what she did, whether she had a real revelation of it or not. Or she just understood this is what the teaching says. This is what I'm. But that's somebody who I always think about who understood promotion giving. She understood. She understood it to a level that I didn't understand it at the time, even though I was teaching it because I was trying not to take her seed because I was like, oh, she she, she needs this more than me. But the scripture says that the lesser is blessed of the greater. She was like, no, I'm sowing into your life because I want to be where you are. And I'm telling you, she's well on her way. And I tell you this, and, and, and the truth of it is, and I'm glad we're having this part of the conversation. We may stop after this. I don't know what you want to do, but I was thinking about this. I think people don't realize this. Everybody, I want y'all to hear me. I know it's some people in the church who run a hustle, but I want you to understand the church is not the easiest hustle to run. Right. If you want to be a hustler, it's a it's lot, of, a lot of easier <laughs> hustlers, that, the hustles that don't require the kind of work that this hustle takes. Most of the people of us in ministry, are trying to teach the things that changed our life. But when it comes to finances, I want to tell you, because I've been rebuked in the same way, I would teach on Mondays and my people would be saying, put your cash app up. And I wouldn't put my cash app up because I didn't want anybody to say about me that I was trying to hustle them. I didn't want anybody to say she just one of them old pop prosperity preachers who trying to get out on people. And the Lord really began to rebuke me 
not just directly, but through people like you, which in your situation saying, no, I need to sow into you and you're fighting me. And here's the thing. I don't care how uncomfortable God's system makes me. It don't change the it's his system. And I think that's the thing that people miss. So what it makes me uncomfortable. So what learning how to give to the poor, learning how to give to my peers, learning how to be faithful in the tithe, learning how to have the right words over my money. So what that makes me uncomfortable in, be, in being willing to be uncomfortable. I'm now able to be a blessing in a way that I never could have before. So what I want to encourage people to do right now, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what have I believed? What have I come into agreement with that is keeping prosperity from flowing in my life? Yep. He may show you some mockery that you made about somebody. He may show you, I'll give you one more example that people say they don't just say it about church people. Um, and, and it's people will say, um, if Edwin gets a car that is above my comfort level, I will say, it don't take all of that. But in reality, does your car take all of that? To somebody who had less than what you had. In reality, right. we could all not have a car and just walk out we, where we go. We may not be able to go as far, but we could do it. And so what poverty will often try to do is say that what you have is appropriate, but anything people have above you is somehow excess. So you'll see people say, hey, so it, you you see it all the time on social media. Some some billionaire or some millionaire will give $10 million and they'll go, they could have gave more than that. Well, maybe they could have, but did you max out what you could give? And people don't realize that that's a crafty way that the enemy keeps us tied to poverty yeah. and we don't even realize it. So I'm asking you to ask Holy Spirit right now so that you can repent. Because in truth, if you don't repent, this teaching won't help you because you're not coming out of agreement with what's keeping you in financial bondage. Because financial bondage does not belong to the believer. Amen. It does not. Somebody, somebody ought to type that in the comment section. Financial bondage does not belong to me. It does it not belong to me. It, it should be sent back to who it belongs to, which is the pits of hell. Yeah. So, I, babe, where you want to take it from here? I mean, you can talk about the the, last, the very last thing. Just talk about how we standing in faith. We we don't want to end without without saying that you, it takes a faith stand because the enemy's going to want us to to give in, to cave in, and to quit. And that's just not what we need to do. So, you know, one of the ways that we take financial dominion is by learning to stand in faith. Stand in faith. Stand in faith. Stand in faith. And instead of using what, what we have in the notes, I want to use something that we know about faith. Yep. Because I want y'all to apply this to what we're teaching. We learned this years ago from Dr. Ivy Hilliard. Yep. In order to walk in faith, you need four things. Yep. In order to walk in faith, you need four things. We're going to apply this specifically to financial dominion. In order to walk in faith, you need four things. The number one thing that you need is a revelation. Teaching is designed to give you revelation, not information. Yep. But we've got too much inspiration, not enough revelation. 
Yes. And many of us have too much information. You have yep. knowledge, but you a revelation is an illumination that the promise belongs to you too. Yep. So I want to give you an example. When the Bible says God has given me the power to create wealth, right? Until the light comes on and I'm able to say he means me too, I'm not in faith. Come on. Come on. Even if I'm confessing it, even if I'm declaring it, even if I got it written in a plaque yep. in my office, the yep. light must come on. That's why the Bible talks over and over again about eyes being flooded with light, about any time you can see, hear and understand. We know we have revelation when we have included ourselves in the promise. Praise God. When I include myself in the promise, that's when I know I, I have revelation. Not, I'm sorry. I'm no, you good. If I have not included myself, I am stealing information. If I believe God will do it for Edwin, but he won't do it for me, I am stealing information. Yep. If I am hyped, but not willing to take the steps, I am inspiration, not in information. So I must have a revelation. I encourage you to get the promises of increase this week and study them until the light comes on. The light comes on. This belongs to me too. I am qualified. Amen. What's number two, babe? Go ahead. You go ahead, babe. Oh, you know. Oh, okay. Number two, I need a role model. I need someone living biblical or historical who yes. has walked out what I want to walk out. Absolutely. It does not mean that I become a clone, but Hebrews tells me that I follow after those who through faith and patience have received the promise. And I want to tell y'all, some of y'all trying to be free spirits when you don't know the basics. And a great example of this, everybody who in my mentor program know what I'm going to use. I love to bake a pound cake. The reality of it is, is that if you don't bake a pound cake in the right order, you're not going to get a pound cake. You got to cream that butter and that sugar first. You got to add those eggs and then add that flour. I have I know people who have tried to bake a pound cake without using the order and they have ended up with a cake, but it was not a pound cake. Mostly they ended up with a mess. What happens for a lot of people, we're not asking you to be a clone. We're asking you to follow the process with fidelity before so that you know what you can move and tweak. You talk about this all the time in education when y'all go in and try to train people. Yep. That they won't, you gave them four models to implement. They implemented two and a half and then said it didn't work. That is, you need a role model. And then you or, or they implement all four models, but they don't implement any of the four models the way we told them to. So then they come back and say, well, I did everything you said. No, you didn't. You did everything we said and modified them. That's not what we told you. That's not the same thing. Right. I told you to cook the cake on 325 for an hour and 10 minutes. You cooked it on 400 for 37 minutes. And then you wonder why your cake don't look like mine. Exactly. You, you must get a role model. A role, And as believers, our role model should be godly people. So we're not looking for role models who say, Sean, you can get wealthy, but quit tithing. You're not my role model. I'm Absolutely looking for not. people who have done this the way God said it. Yep. As I follow the process, God, in the beginning, God had me to do everything Pastor Cynthia said. And then as I grew in my own understanding, he would say, now here's the difference between your call and hers. Here's what I want you to go do. Some of you trying to prove that you're individuals before you have any mastery over the basics. Preach, preach. 
Now, number three. Number three, you need a regimen of faith, a systematic way of action. Now, here is one that we used in our own personal life. Tithing, how we were going to tithe. We had a systematic way of implementing that. We were going to bring our tithes every Sunday. Some people's systematic way of working that is as soon as my paycheck hits, I tithe. That's my systematic way to make sure that I do. Some people I know, every time they get a cash app, every time they get anything, they tithe right then. That's their systematic way of implementing the process. How am I going to implement what God has said? We also had a system before becoming givers. In 2 Corinthians 9, when it says in the Amplified, God is unwilling to do without a quick prompt to do giver. We challenged ourselves to learn to give every day. What's our system? To receive seed and give seed every day. We can measure whether we're doing that by every day. You need a regimen of faith. But number four, this right here, this is the one right here. You Mm -hmm. need a righteous resolve. And I want to tell you this This is the one that aggravates me because this is the one that keeps people from being blessed and no one can give you this. God has already given it to you and you have to activate it. Righteous resolve is a bulldog tenacity not to back up off of what God said. If you don't have that, If you don't have that, you'll get a revelation and give it away. You'll get a role model and stop following them. You'll get a regimen of faith and abandon it. You have to have a righteous resolve. The Bible says in Isaiah, I have set my face like flint. I will not be ashamed. The thing that most of y'all don't understand is that Jesus is a lion and a lamb. He's not just a lamb. That means that there is a part of you, your faith is violent. It is violent. It literally looks at the poverty in your life and says, you cannot stay. You cannot stay. You must activate your righteous resolve. You must make a decision that you believe God for yourself, that you're going to follow your role model, that you're going to walk out your systematic way of faith. You don't care who talk about you. You don't care who laugh at you. You don't care when your husband don't understand. You don't care when your mama don't get it. You don't care when your friends think you weird. It's a simple song. I have decided to follow Jesus, though none go with me. Because for many of you, you are going to be, hear what I'm about to say. You are going to be the first millionaires in your family. Mm -hmm. And if you listen to your family, you will not go. You are going to be the first millionaires among your friends. And if you listen to your friends, you will not go. You must, you, you have to have the righteous resolve to say, you don't even understand that while you mocking me, I'm doing this for us. Mm. You're mocking me. You're saying, why you give all that money to the church? Why are you sowing to them stricklers all the time? Why are you always in a class? Why are you always in a me? You say, you don't even understand. I'm doing this for us. Yeah. I'm willing to go first. Well, and here's the reason or part of the reason that is so detrimental to our life. If we don't get that righteous resolve, because if we don't get the righteous resolve, we start down a path 
And when we start down that path, we meet something called adversity. And in the day of adversity, if we don't have a righteous resolve, we quit. We give in. We, 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 we turn around. And the problem with doing that is that begins to shake your confidence. Anytime you start on a direction with God and you turn around and go back, the next time you start down another direction with God, you got that thought in your mind that it didn't work last time. No, baby, it's not that it didn't work. It's that you gave in, you caved in and you quit. And now that thing is shaking your confidence. So the enemy doesn't want us to have a righteous resolve because he wants us to always be thinking, what if God doesn't come through? If he can just get us to have that seed of doubt in our mind, what if this faith thing doesn't work? Well, the reason he fights so hard to get us to believe it is because he knows what many believers don't know, which is that faith does work. And so he's doing everything he can to get us to cave in, to quit, to give up, to throw in the towel. But the thing we got to understand is that in the days of adversity, we must see it through. We must see it through. We cannot give up. We cannot cave in and we cannot quit. Why? Because our provision has already been established. Yea, though we walk through the valleys of the shadow of death, what? We're not going to have no fear. We're not going to have any fear, but we got to walk through it to get what we need. But we're not going to have any fear because we know God's already provided. So we don't let the enemy tear down our confidence by not having a righteous resolve. And I wonder if anybody actually just heard that a prophetic word was released, that they would be the first millionaire in their family. That's why the Bible says, let he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Because for the people who thought I was just talking, saying something cute, it won't be them. The Bible says when you that if you believe God, you will be established. But if you believe his prophets, you'll prosper. That's why, that's why, that's why some things are taught. I mean, some things are caught, not they're caught. caught. They're caught. And when you hear a word like that, just to teach you how it works, when you sow your seed today, that ought to be the word that's attached to that. When you, Because I want you to understand how the kingdom works. You don't hear a word on that and then not respond financially. I just want y'all to know, because I purposed I was going to teach y'all. I, I purposed I was going to teach y'all the stuff that's changed my life. So... People may get upset, but, and I want you to hear this. When you hear a word like that, the action is not just to declare. The action is to sow into the word that you have heard. And then participate in everything God tells you to do. We can't That's let right. that word go that you used earlier. Participate. 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 Ooh, because, many, because many times the seed you're giving becomes the catalyst. It's the thing that jump starts. But now where's your obedience? Where's your due diligence? The, all those other things, the businesses that, that we've been able to do, the things that we've been able to do, even where ministry is concerned. We sold, but sowing wasn't the end. It was the beginning. We sold and then we got instruction to do everything God told us to do. And then we did it. The Bible says it like this. The Bible says you ought to give and you ought to not withhold your hand. It says because you don't know, and Ecclesiastes says you don't know which one going to cause you to prosper, whether it be your giving or whether it be the work of your hand. He says, so do them both that you may find yourself prospering. 
And let me tell you how I know this is true. This is what the Lord just brought to my attention about the scholarships. That when we decide, before we decided to do the scholarships, because sometimes you need to understand God will have you sow a seed in advance and you don't know why. We were at the Black Alumni Reunion. Yep. And they want, they were asking people to give us for the scholarship. And we sold the first thousand dollars we had ever sown into a scholarship fund. We both sold five hundred dollars. Do you remember that? I do. That is the reason we're able to do what we do now. Yep. That seed broke it open. And look now, at what he did. So so collectively, it was the first time we had given to a scholarship fund collectively of a thousand dollars. He then turns around and says, okay, what I want you to do now is because you've got this seed in the ground, I, I'm going to bless you to give away 10000 So he took a $1,000 seed and turned it into a $10,000 blessing for someone else. And, 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 and since that time, he's then had other people to give into that scholarship fund into the tune that we've now given over a hundred, over a hundred thousand dollars and still got kids in school, still going to school and still got a group of kids getting ready to go to college that we're going to be a blessing to. It's wonderful. All because of a seed. Everything starts with the seed. Everything starts with the seed. Even your business starts with a seed. Yep. And if you won't plant it and cultivate it, it won't grow. Even investing, even real estate starts with the seed. That's why Pastor Edwin is saying to you guys, he tells you, don't withhold your hand from work and don't withhold your seed. So for me as a business owner, and this would apply to this would apply to somebody who works for somebody as well. I told I told one of my children the other day, because here's a mistake that people make. You have somebody who's further along in you in corporate or further along than you in your industry. And they're gracious enough to allow you to pick their brain. The truth of it is they're gracious enough to allow you to pick their brain, probably because they have some understanding of seed time and harvest. You, They may have more money than you, but you need to give them a Starbucks gift card. You yeah. need to give them a Chick-fil-A card. You once they have sown into you, you need to send them a thank you note and say, I know it's not much. I know your time probably costs a thousand dollars an hour, and all I really have is this, but I want you to know that I appreciate your time. Even Absolutely. that is a form of seed. Absolutely. And the Bible says that those seeds, those seeds. It's your gift making room for you. People will remember you because you did. Even Jesus says it. Even Jesus remembers the seed of Thanksgiving. He heals 10 lepers. Only one comes back. Yeah. And he says, did I not heal 10? Where the rest of them go? When So when we're talking about seed, how can you communicate in the lives of others to, to be a blessing and to bring more of that into your life. Yeah. Babe, you don't preach good today. You did too. Well, I don't know what you want to say next, but hurry on up so you can come on back home. <laughs> I just want to say we want y'all to be blessed. When you sow today, when you give today, the opportunity is there for you to do so. Uh, you can give through Tidally, you can give through PushPay, you can do, give through Givelify, you can give through uh, PayPal. All of those ways to give are there available uh, scrolling across the screen there. Listen, here's what you need to understand. Wherever you attend church, if that's here or that's somewhere else, you ought to be able to trust your leadership. 
And if you don't trust your leadership, you need to find your place to go where you can. Because sowing is important. And you need to be able to sow with confidence into a ministry where you can, can give freely knowing that God's going to be going to bring that harvest back to you. If you go to a place and you can't do that, then you're in the wrong place. And that includes here. If you're like, I can't get my mind to FOC, it's the wrong place for you. Because what I can tell you is that the enemy wants to stifle all that he can, your opportunity to walk in financial dominion. Because if he can get you to walk in a lower level than what God has called you, even if you die and go to heaven, he still has stopped you from experiencing all of heaven on earth. The Bible says he comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. And we declare in Jesus' name, he won't do it to you. And he won't do it to you in your body. He won't do it in your finances. He won't do it on your job. He won't do it with your family. He won't do it in any area of your life. Because we believe this covenant that God has with us is irrevocable. And because it's irrevocable, we don't allow anybody to come and take anything that doesn't belong to them. Everything God has for us, we claim it and we thank him for it. And we participate in the process, not begging for it because he's already made it done. I just want to see something because we used to say this all the time in our church. We used to say somebody's going to get blessed. It might as well be me. I want to know where my faith people who say somebody about to be a millionaire. Oh, it's going to be me. Some Somebody is. And I want you to hear it because when I've been praying about it, it's a very clear word. It's I changed that. It is me. Not going to be. It is me. It is me. It's liquid millionaire. Yes, it is me. Liquid. Liquid means cash you can put your hands on. It doesn't just mean property and other things. It's cash, liquid. Listen, don't be scared to say it. It is me. If you believe it, say it. It is me. But I don't want to say that. It is me. Well, I don't need no million dollars. No, but you need, but 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 you but the Lord needs you to have it because He needs you to be able to get it to where He needs it. Stop thinking selfishly. It ain't just about you. It's about what you can do for the kingdom. Well, and if folks would tell the truth, I actually need a million dollars and more, and that don't include helping other people. Absolutely. But, but it started with, but you said a million, so it started there. Right. No, I'm just saying that they would tell the truth. We talking about exposing lies. Right. Like, tell the truth. Amen. All right, babe, good teaching. I really enjoyed doing this with you today. Yeah, listen, now y'all know what we're we about to say. a little bit, but you know, other than that, it went pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't so bad. I love it. Robin just changed it for us. She said, I am a liquid millionaire. That's how Amen. you have to begin to see yourself. I am a liquid millionaire. Amen. Liquid. I can put my hands on it if I need to. And so I just want to say, you know, the best investment you can make in your life to give your life to Jesus? To give your life to Christ. You want an investment that's got an eternal, never ending return? Give your life to Jesus. If you were listening to this and you're in a backslidden state, come home. Don't be unsaved. Don't be a heathen. Don't be a backslider. Come on over here. The table is spread. There's some good living, living over here. And you know what? Contrary to what you taught you, what they taught you, it's a lot of fun over here, too. There are exploits. There are amazing things. There's divine protection. There's adventures. Come get some of this. So I don't want to take for granted that everybody's saved. So listen, if you've never accepted Jesus as your personal saving, you want to do it today. Here's a simple prayer that you can pray. Father, I acknowledge that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. And today I choose to give my life to him and to come home. I ask to be cleansed of all of my sin, and I ask for my divine nature to be activated as I am filled with the Holy Spirit. I choose to allow Jesus to be both my Lord and my Savior. 
I am born again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I agree with, with, with Miss Preston. She said, let me give my liquid millionaire seed. Let Come me, on. Let, let me give my liquid millionaire seed right now. I done got off. I'm over here on my phone. Push pay right now. You already know I'm about to sow me a liquid millionaire seed. Oh, yeah. I guess I need to finish. I, I had to go. I saw that. I had to go and push my push pay button. No. You, yeah. You got to You gotta finish. You have to oh, finish. No, I, I already gave my seed. I got excited. I gave already. <laughs> We and we, I mean, we really do believe this. I mean, we really we we believe this because we know it works. So, what do we want you to do? We want you to go into the four things this week. Work on your revelation. How do you work on your revelation? You got to study the scriptures about increase. They have to become real to you. You have to know that you're included. Who are your role models? You need to follow after your role models, not to become a clone, but to do what it is that you see them do. Then you need a regimen of faith. How are you systematically going to walk out your millionaire process for the per? There are different ways. Some people are going to do it through work. Some people are going to do it through real estate. Some people are going to do it through cryptocurrency. What has God told you to put your hands to in this season? That's what you need to do, right? And then you need a righteous resolve. No one is going to talk me out of this, not even That's myself. Right. That's right. Not, not even myself. Even myself and then here's how i'm going to challenge you we're believing god that in the next year there are going to be people who are going to become millionaires we believe in god that the people who don't become millionaires you're going to have more increase in your life than you've ever had before you know how you're going to demonstrate that because next july when it's the scholarship fund you are going to give the biggest seed you have ever given to the scholarship fund so that we can up level the people that we are giving sending to college now Amen. who will agree to do that who will say, all right, God, I, be I believe I received this word. I take this word for my life. It's November. I'm sowing seeds. I'm putting my hands to work. And the increase you give me, I am going to show I can be trusted because next July, when it's time for the scholarship fund, I am going to give the biggest seed that I have ever given. Maybe I'm going to sponsor my own scholarship. We all declared that last year, me, Ralph, and Pastor Edwin, and we declared that last year. So we're going to give our own scholarship, our own $10,000 scholarship. But some of you, you may be thinking, Pashon, I don't know how I could give a $10,000 I, I, I $10, scholarship. Just walk with God. Do what he tells you to do. And I guarantee you, even if you just gave 100 last year and you can give 500 this upcoming year, I want some people who will say, I'm going to demonstrate. Yes, I'm going to live better, but it's not just about me living better. We are going to send kids to college for free. Amen. Trinika said, and, next and, July, and, I'm going and, to give. And it's about understanding God's plan for you. For some people, he may have you give it all at one time. For some of you, he may He may have you start right now and you start giving it month by month so that when July comes, you've given the biggest scholarship seeds you ever given. You don't have to necessarily wait till July. Ask Holy Spirit how he wants you to do it. Yes. Yes. I love that. I love it. I love, it. I love that. Hopefully next year we can have an event for the scholarship thing. Just be like, come on in and just do something amazing. We can work on that. Have a scholarship ball. Have something. a scholarship ball. I really just want to wear a fancy dress. I'm tired. I know. Of just, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm tired of just wearing jogger pants, right? I get so, it. We love you guys. Have an amazing day. Thank you for all of you who stuck with us. We declare that you are blessed and highly favored. The same grace that's on our life is on your life. You prosper wherever you go. Favor goes before you. You are graced to obey and you 
will be a blessing in the earth because you are abundantly supplied in Jesus name. Now bring your tithes and offering today. Have an amazing time. Take your selfie, share with somebody that you went to Fellowship of Champions today and come to all of the church activities this week. We love you. Be blessed. Amen. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.